the mindful podcast i am so excited this is the first episode my name is Teresa sophia and i am your host and i am joined with some really special people some really amazing people that i love 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 and i have soraya hey everyone i have ariel what's up what's up and alex so Soraya is one of my close, close friends. We've known each other since college. She is a producer. She is also a woman's advocate. She advocates for everything that has to do with women. Ariel is a music blogger. She is a writer. She's an activist. She has a bomb ass afro. Mm. <laughs> we have bomb. yes, super bomb. I just want to touch it, but my arms are not long enough to reach. <laughs> we sorry. have Alex, who is a real estate agent extraordinaire, and he is also our mental health professional for this episode. So today we are talking about something that has been like a theme of my summer that I've constantly been talking about in uh, a lot of my different circles and that is interracial dating (laughs) how do you i'm i'm excited okay so before we get into it and dive deep into uh some of our experiences and talking through how this has impacted our mental health and how we've internalized uh some of the situations that we've been through let's just do a quick check-in and see how everyone in the room is feeling. Let's get a temperature check real quick. So, Sarai, how are you? Well, I walked in the room <laughs> at first, and I thought about a lot of the things that was going on at work, personal life. And I can say that it's a little stressful trying to balance out all the day-to-day things that are happening in my life. So, I want to say that I'm stressed, but I'm seeking balance. Nice. I like that. I like that. It's hard though. I think for me, like all of these retrogrades and mm-hmm. all of these eclipses mm-hmm. and like all of that has just got me all messed up. I feel like recently, but I feel like it's like a necessary mess. Um, something that I probably needed. So I'm just trying to get my rest and rest up for the rest of the month. I hate mm-hmm. that's real. And uh, for me, I I actually feel really good uh, because I've been really looking at a lot of the opportunities in my life and Mm. learning how to be grateful for everything, even the bad, you know, what a uh, blessing it is to be able to feel, whether it's sadness, whether it's happiness. And so if you look for the little things, honestly, it gets you through. I totally agree. I totally agree with all of that. I wanted to start this podcast off with reading a poem that I wrote, and I will preface reading this just by saying I struggled a lot with posting this, Um, and I was actually really happy that I ended up posting it because a lot of people were feeling the same way as me, and I think that's actually one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast is so that we could 
really have a platform to share our emotions, our thoughts, our voices. And oftentimes we feel like we're alone in our thinking, but we're not. There's other people that think the same way. So I'm going to start off by reading it. And then I have some questions for you guys. I want you to dive in, dissect, talk about your experiences, like I said, in terms of interracial dating. So (laughs) it goes, black love is all love in theory. I have spent my life shutting out white men because of their misogyny and their caricatures of me when black men have treated me no better. I dreamt of dark-skinned, pro-black, confident babies because as a baby, I wish I was better. Spent my whole life thinking marriage to white wasn't right. Thought that I would be a sellout. Thought that my community needed more black kings and queens that would continue my legacy and that dilution of blood would dilute the message. But honestly, black men, you have been sending me a message. The message is that you don't love me. I am beginning to resent you in the worst of ways. In your arms, I was supposed to find solace. In your arms, I was supposed to find my dreams. I always, always, always wanted a black king. But over and over again, I have continued to be let down, finally opening up to the idea that a white man may have that crown. And it hurts me to say, but love is a numbers game. And I want love more than this fantasy. And sometimes I think maybe having a mixed daughter would be better. She wouldn't be immune to all the BS, but black men show me they love mixed girls better. And in this numbers game, it means more options for her to weed through. She'd get love from all the celebrities and athletes that see through me. Because she isn't completely black, maybe she'll be more likely to find her black king. That's real. First off, I want to applaud. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. I, I think we're supposed to snap. Oh yeah, snap. You know, snap, 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 yeah. snap. <laughs> poetry slam, real quick, real quick. I want to actually also say that after I dropped this poem, I actually brought a white man to a cookout, and like Soraya was saying, like literally and figuratively, like I brought a white man. <laughs> so I dropped, boom! I dropped the bomb, and then like I brought a white man. How did that I'll, go? Everybody was staring at us. It was crazy. Like, eyes were all glued to us. And I, like, couldn't even. So it was, like, a cookout in Hyde Park. And for those of you who are not in Boston, Hyde Park is a neighborhood in Boston. I live in Hyde Park. Yeah. Shout out to HPPP. Don't say HP because there's two. Oh, okay. <laughs> what's the other HP? High point. High point. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Like the apartment complex. No. Okay. <laughs> I'm not from yeah, Boston, so y'all yeah, need no. to get me hit. So there was this cookout, and it was just like so many people there, and like I couldn't even traverse the sea of people with him because like I met him at like the front, and I was just like, yeah, Dan, we're about to like go in and turn up. And then, like, as soon as we walked in, all eyes were on us. And I was like, I can't even, like, walk through people. Like, I'm just going to chill right here. Girls stopped. Yeah. All the music stopped. Yeah. (laughs) And then everybody was looking at us. (laughs) Dating white men has been very new to me. Like I said in the poem, I have grappled with dating white men for a very long time. Like, it was this crazy internal struggle. Like, I would journal and I would cry because, like, I just always got told that white men are going to see you at and fetishize you and they're going to see you and they're not going to look at you as an actual being. It's just a piece of meat and you aren't ever going to hold the same value to a white man as a white woman would. 
So I was just always like, I, I'm going to have like this really black family and I'm going to raise these black kids and they're going to go out into the world and they're just going to be so pro-black. And then after dating and dating and dating and doing more dating with black men and just really feeling like taking my soul oh, as like as extreme strong. as that sounds, but like really hurting it and manipulating it. I just was like, okay, if I if I really want to find like my partner, maybe I should start opening myself up to more people, which I have been. And it's been a really good experience. And I've confided a lot in Soraya in terms of that. And Soraya has bounced back and forth her experiences with dating all different types of people, not just white people. And uh, that has been really, really helpful for me and it's interesting though that one thing that someone brought up was that as black women we go through this internal struggle and I, I wonder like do black men do that when you start dating outside your race is it like that much of a big deal because a lot of black women related to me but I never hear the other side of it so the f the thing that I immediately took note of with your poem and with you just speaking was how that message was made very clear to you early on about quote-unquote dangers of dating outside of the race and immediately i think to myself that's not taught to black men by mothers and fathers early on you're not at least for me and a lot of people i know you're not at that early age you're not told of you know the dangers that are out there in terms of misogyny and racism stuff like that you're told to be careful and things like that and be careful physically you're not really told to be careful like in an emotional romantic sense mm. uh, and it took until getting older to start seeing those dynamics and, and understanding, oh, shoot, wait, dating outside of the race isn't something that's approved upon. And then over time, you just start hearing it from both sides. So it takes a while, I think, you know, for men to kind of get to that point of like, hey, your fellow sisters, your fellow man, your fellow black man, your fellow black woman, they see it as this and they're all facing these things. And so by you going out there and dating outside your race, that means this X, you know what I mean? That mm -hmm. means, you know, you're going against black women. And, you know, when you do realize it, then that's when the, the, the struggle starts happening, the internal struggle. So listening to the poem, listening to your experience when you were younger, I realized that a lot of the things that we go through and our perspective, it's based on what we were taught and it's not based on what we're experiencing. So people create a narrative for us already without us even being able to experience it for ourselves to realize, oh, is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? You have someone directing you, letting you know, like, this is bad. So with that being said, it kind of already taints your perspective because mm -hmm. at a young age, you're being told this and then... There are all these different forces in, you know, whether it be the media, whether it be your family that are reinforcing what they've been teaching you. So naturally, you're not even able to see that this may not be true. It's very interesting because in my family, there's a lot of interracial couples in my family. <coughs> Uncles that are with Germans, Parisian, wow. all these different people in Europe. You know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're in Europe, living life, doing their thing, nice. you know? They've come to Thanksgiving. You know, my aunt's German. I have another aunt that's, well, I have another German aunt. Of, Mad German, you know, German. German, yeah. German, and, you know, France, whatever. The World Cup of dating. In the <laughs> <laughs> but it taught me a lot seeing those dynamics at a young age because it showed me that there's a lot of different people out there for different people. And mm. no one has ever told me specifically 
you should not date a white man because of X, Y, and Z. In fact, what I've always heard was to open myself up, meet people, all this stuff, like, for, especially from my European side of the family. Like, they always tell me, like, yo, you know, meet people, learn something new. Break off from this feeling of always needing to be a part of the crowd. You can be in your own siloed at one point and just branch off, you know? I, mm-hmm. And I like doing that. I like branching off because you learn so much more when you open yourself up. My whole thing is that everyone is human, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? Whether it be, you know, black, white, you know, Spanish, Asian, anything, you're all human. We're going through a struggle. I would say we have these forces that create a false self-image of ourselves that makes us want to you know preserve this ego right Mm -hmm. so it's like okay i'm a black woman what does that mean for a black woman what should i what am i supposed to value as a black woman what am i supposed to protect as a black woman you know Mm -hmm. and then you have other people being taught something else like you know i know like i have friends that are like are from ohio or from like these rural areas where intermixing you don't do that and one of the main reasons you don't do that is because it confuses the child well, for, hmm. for them, it confuses the child and it also puts a burden on that child, you know, when they're not fully white or fully black hmm. because they're sitting in between and they don't fit into anywhere. But that's more of like a rural southern issue. Hmm. Up north, we're more accepting, even though it's segregated. So we yeah. say. Yeah, yeah even so though it, it is segregated. Yeah, totally is accepting. It, it is yeah. segregated, but it's more open than being in this Bible Belt or rural areas, the Midwestern states. Believe me, it's a different temperature over there when it comes to race relations. Mm -hmm. I want to talk on that, actually, because I spent probably almost 10 years of my life living in Atlanta, so I'm very familiar with the Bible Belt, and people feeling like they have to date within their races, especially in Atlanta. Dating outside of your race, I wouldn't say it was necessarily a particular thing. The first time I really noticed interracial dating was within my family, very similar to yours, On my mom's side of the family, and it's very interesting, all of the black men date and marry white women. Mm -hmm. And I think that was really my first interaction with anti-blackness. I remember thinking, wow, it's so weird. Like, I don't have any black aunties that, like, aren't by blood. Like, none of my uncles married a black woman or even a brown woman. They all dated white women. And I was always kind of thinking, like, well, why is that? And a lot of times it is this internalized anti-blackness. Also, I want to say that blackness is multiracial. Blackness is multicultural. So I I don't necessarily think that by dating another black person, you're closing yourself off to experiences because I as a mainly like I have a Jamaican father and an American mother. Mm -hmm. My experience is as an American. If I were to date a black person, my boyfriend is Puerto Rican. You know, that's a totally different cultural experience. What he's been through is very different from what I've been through. Mm -hmm. So I do feel like I've definitely grown through those interactions. This makes me think about, like, you guys talking about your exposure makes me think about my lack of exposure, which I never even really thought about. Mm. So everyone in my family, all my aunts, all my uncles have married Haitian people. Mm. I think it's switching with this generation. So all my cousins... All my, um, well, all my, it's interesting because all my male cousins are with Latina women, Mm -hmm. but all my female cousins are all with black men. That's the same thing in my family. All of the women married black men and all of the men married white women. Mm -hmm. And I'm always thinking like, why, like, why is that? What is the disconnect? I think it's like what Alex said. For some reason, women are fed this narrative that we have to 
in order to be I guess good black women we have to continue the lineage of black right. people but that's so interesting because black has so many different identities and it, it made me think about so Tia and Tamara Mari we all know are mm-hmm. twins sister sister and I know Tamara was saying one time in an interview that she gets a lot of backlash for having married a white man and a lot of people are like Tia is way more black than you and Tia's down for the people and down for the culture she's just like I love who I love this is I can't help who I fell in love with I fell in love with a man and he just so happens to be a white man and I think that also absolves black people of the responsibility for also like we have black people who are Mm anti-black we have black people who have a lot of internalized racism so just because you're dating someone black does not mean that you're automatically more Mm pro-black because you could be dating the most misogynistic just terrible person ever but that does that mean that you're better at perpetuating the black race because they're because they happen to be black yeah i think that's one of the main top things i wanted to bring up too was just that when you ask why is that there is so many reasons to that there are so many things that could have happened with you know your family in atlanta where those um you said brothers are they brothers? No, my family is Your from uncles. here. No, okay. my family is from Boston. Okay. So you had family members that all dated or all married white women. Yes. And there's just so many layers to that that we could peel off, um, including the internalized racism part of it. And, you know, I think that when we do say, you know, when everyone says, hey, people are people, you know, and which I do – uh, in a way, ride, ride that line of understanding that people are people and they are going to fall in love with whoever. I also say, you damn right, there's some internalized racism that goes on with fellas that say, I don't date, you know, black women because of their experiences with black women. They're, con- they're around black women. So why are they picking out all the negative things about what they see about black women in order to all of a sudden make a sweeping statement about every black right. woman that mm-hmm. you're coming across? And it's very unfortunate. However, it comes with, being a very flawed human being, whether black, white, you know, Puerto mm-hmm. Rican, whatever, you know, I think we all generalize a lot of things that we see. Yep. And because of that, we make a sweeping statement. Perception is reality. So whether mm-hmm. you want to believe that black women aren't great for you, I'm sorry, you're incorrect. However, you know, that's what you believe through your experiences. And Sarai, also, your experiences and are the same. Also, you have different things that reinforce those experiences yes. because you're going to be lured to see certain things that only you want to see. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. To reinforce it. Exactly. But my experience has been different. A lot of my female cousins are with white men and married to white men. And my male cousins... They are not for, you know, they white women, they don't really go there, yeah. you know? And I think that's very interesting that you guys have the inverse. Although I have that going on in, like, Europe, you know, my European family. But when I think about... Sounds so bougie, my European family. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they live in Europe. Yeah. Come around, come around. <laughs> but it's just, it's interesting to hear, like, what I see in the U.S. from my family is the black men being with black women what i see in the, like from the, the and my female cousins is i see them with white men and me and mm-hmm. my me and my father we laugh about it because i'm just like yo what, what's going on here you know what i mean we just we think it's kind of funny what makes it even funnier is that my family 
thought that I was going to be with a white man. Mm-hmm. You know, they were just like, and mind you, they were just, they were open to it. They were like, whatever, you know, do your thing, Soraya. They, I mean, they were expecting something different, you know, mm-hmm. but, and it's funny that what they thought that I would get from, well, especially okay, my European side of the family, what they thought that I would get with being with a white man, they didn't think that a black man could provide, right? Which is because I am intelligent. Mind you, this is my European side, but I do believe that I'm intelligent. And I know how to process things. I am very adventurous. I love a lot of different music, different foods. I'm very open, right? And But I have a, I have a deep love for my culture as well. And I was lucky enough that I found a partner that kind of mirrored who I was. And I'm like, and this is my partner is a black man (laughs) that's tall with dreadlocks. He looks, you know, looks a bit intimidating if he doesn't smile. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you got to understand him and know him and listen to him, this is one of the most open people that I have ever met. Like, you know, if I want to go to an EDM concert, he's there with me. Let's go. Let's amp. And we get hyped together. We love it. A lot of people look at it like, oh, that's a white thing. But it's like, no, it's a people thing. Yeah. We need to stop. I feel like we think that we need to categorize activities mm-hmm. and, you know, things that we like into racial buckets. And that's not how it works. You mm-hmm. know, uh, we don't live in a binary world where this is male, this is female, this is black, this is white. No, mm-hmm. people love what they love. People like to do things. And I'm seeing a lot of like people think like hiking. What's hiking? Oh, that's, that's white. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Sunday. But, but the thing is, is that. It's fun. It's good to be around nature. There are some black people I like that. So I think we need to just realize that going white doesn't mean that you're going to necessarily find all the things that you thought were missing mm-hmm. in dating a white person. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 100%. And dating black doesn't mean that you miss out on that part. Mm-hmm. If you're interested in doing something fun, do that activity. See the people that are around you doing the activity. You know what I mean? You'll be surprised who comes around. I get weary sometimes because I see a lot of people investing in image and not investing in how they feel within that situation that they're in. You know, yeah, what we envision for ourselves Mm -hmm. versus what it is. You know, Mm -hmm. like we have this reality. Exactly. Mm -hmm. We envision this like this look like I remember thinking I'm this woman that's progressive. I'm for women's rights. I want women to to be empowered. I want us to redefine feminism, like redefine what it means for us outside of the lens of a man, you know, Mm -hmm. because men have been the ones enforcing what feminism is through their lens. And that's why we're always trying to appease them by figuring out what can we do to get them to like us. Mm -hmm. That's another story. But with, okay, with knowing that, I realized that I'm in a very traditional relationship and it kind of makes me feel like, does that minimize my voice because I'm in a relationship that's very traditional, but I'm a very progressive person. It's kind of Mm. like someone, you know, because it it makes it feel like you diluted the message, right? It's like, you know, you are a pro-black woman. Mm -hmm. Now you're dating white men. Mm. Are people going to accept that message the same way because you're with a white man? I think it goes back to what you said. Like people are people. So if we don't have these, I guess these, these boxes that aren't even realistic because no one ever essentially fits into these categories that we say like all black people do this, all white people do this, all Asian people do this. If we look at people as people, then 
is there anything wrong with the fact that you're progressive? No, yeah, very fluid. But yeah, you're fluid. still in a traditional relationship? No. I don't think so. I'm queer and I'm in a relationship with a cis, hetero, black man. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people in the queer community would be like, well, that's She's a sellout. Yeah. yeah. Right. I'm not yeah. queer because I don't appear queer right now because I'm dating a straight man. We lose we lose a track of the human fluidity. Right. <laughs> I agree. Because I we, agree. we we continuously put ourselves in boxes and we have to categorize things and things yeah. can't just be. Right. I think I, I went through the same thing that you were talking about as far as like for myself thinking that black men wouldn't be able to offer me certain things that white men could and a lot of it had to do it all goes back to the anti-blackness that I've seen throughout my life. Mm-hmm. And the way that the media and the way that our culture has portrayed black men um, a lot of the times uh, as being incapable of love, incapable of emotion, incapable of being financially dependent, incapable of being there and helping you raise a family. Um, all of these things led me to thinking like, damn, maybe maybe white men are better. And I spent a good portion of my teenage years like eschewing black men. I remember the first time I told my mom, I was like, I'm just not attracted to black men. Like she looked at me like she wanted to slap me because it's like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. And I could never say that I'm not attracted to or right. I would never date an entire race. Even after right. the poem drop, like I had so many black men in my DMs like, how could you do this to us? How could you betray <laughs> us? Like not no. all black men are the same. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying all black men are the same. I'm not saying all white men are the same. I know uh, I've spoken a lot about like my experience with this white person that I brought to the kickout and how it's been great. But I know that right. he's not a representative of right. all white men. Right. I know there are douchebags within every race. And Absolutely. one of the things that I did want to bring up was I know you had experience dating a racist right. white person. And we've said multiple times uh, throughout this conversation that anti-blackness comes from everywhere. It comes from our own mm-hmm. people. You got yeah. Kodak Black mm-hmm. saying he would never date, date some, a dark-skinned woman right. because, like, why? He doesn't want dark-skinned babies. But I want to hear from the perspective of dating a racist white person. How was that? What did you experience? Did you internalize that? And maybe that's why? Mm-hmm. You- oh, yeah. And I think I think a lot of the reasons why I even got into that relationship was because of internalized racism. Mm-hmm. Me thinking that somehow the things that I was doing were different. You know, I was into metal. I was going to metal concerts. I was doing a lot of things, quote unquote, that white people would do. And so I therefore felt like I would not be able to find my match in a black partner because I would never find a black partner who would like all of these things. Mm. And so when I met the guy, the white guy that I was, um, that I was dating, a lot of the narrative was like, Oh, well you're not like all the other black girls. You're different. I've heard that before. (laughs) Right. And again, that's not a compliment. It's not, but I took it as a compliment because Mm. of my, Mm. because of my desire to distance myself from blackness, Mm. to be that different type of black person, to be Mm. more palatable to whiteness. Mm. And, um, that's how I even got into that relationship. And I, I realized for, you know, we dated for like two and a half years. We were living together. We got a dog and a cat together. It was a very serious Damn, relationship. A, ser- mm-hmm. a dog and a cat? Yeah, yeah that babies. I still have. Ooh, that I still have. Mm, Hunter? Um, yeah, Hunter and Juicebox. We, we got them together. Oh. We were living in the place where I'm living now. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was a very serious relationship. And people asked me, like, how could you have dated somebody who was racist for that long and not have noticed? And I would say that because racism is not always in your face, a lot of times yeah. it is insidious, it's evasive. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can't can't see it a Mm -hmm. lot of times it's just hiding underneath the surface 
you know, I realized he was racist when he started saying things like "All Lives Matter." When I would talk to him about, we were dating when he Mike go. when, when Mike Bye. Brown when Mike Brown was killed. Certain things like him saying blackface was okay, oh, or wow. him trying to tell me that me taking Africana there. classes at UMass was going to be a problem. Wow. Um, he was also very emotionally abusive, but he would tell me, "Oh, well." You taking Africana uh, studies is only gonna, you know, they're just gonna teach you that white people are evil, and you're gonna, and you're not gonna want to be with me anymore. I'm like, what that's are you talking about? Like, my classes are not centered around whiteness. Wow, um, that's a total mi- misperception. But just a whole bunch of stuff, making fun of my sleeping bonnet, telling me that black people were more likely to own illegal weapons, like a lot of shit. Damn. And this is right, and this is my first relationship, mm. my first boyfriend, right? And I had spent a large majority of my high school career thinking that black men were not suitable to be my partner, not realizing that I had internalized a lot of what white supremacy had taught me about blackness and what blackness could be, not realizing that I was really cutting myself off from all of the amazing black men who are interested in exactly the same, same shit things. that I'm yep. interested in. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like exactly the same things. Yep. Like you can find black people who are interested in literally every single subject matter. Yep. Yep. Every single subject matter. And that's why like I've changed the way I've been dating. Like I have core values that I look for and it's those values. I'm not right. looking at the person anymore. Right. Yeah. It's the values. Even in terms of looks too. Now that I'm getting older, I'm getting up there. <laughs> <laughs> like I place less value just on like the physical aspects right. of a person and I'm I'm just realizing like this is a theme and that like what we've ob- observed what we've experienced has all dictated how we navigate the world and like this is with everything mm. and like a lot of what you were saying made me even think about how just culturally I have dissociated so even within the race of black people I haven't really dated many like african-american men yeah it's been a lot of caribbean american or Mm -hmm. like african from the content of africa men because i always got the message of all these stereotypes that we're talking about that's black americans right Teresa, you're you're haitian you're a queen in my family i'm sorry mom but in my family like if you like have a tattoo or you get suspended or you do certain things get arrested that's associated with being black american as opposed to yes 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 so i think it's i think we have to really be careful about how we label things because i don't see it as internalized racism when think about the immigration story because I'm from my my parents are from Haiti, first generation first generation American, mm-hmm. and they come from a country where everyone looks like them. Yeah, there's some lighter skinned people, but everyone's black, right? And it's there's a class issue going on in Haiti. If you don't have money, you don't have anything. You know what I mean? That's what it is. Yeah. And you move to a country in the U.S. and you're just here to work, try to find opportunities and everything, right? But you get labeled as being black, but you don't know what that means from the U.S. context. Yeah. What does it mean to be black? You come to this country, you, you feel like you're an immigrant. You don't know what's going on. Yeah. You don't, you're learning. You don't speak the language. But now you hold all this burden 
of a group of people that, that you've never, never ex- met. Yep. You've yeah. never met. You've never experienced their yep. culture. You don't understand it. Mm-hmm. So, of course, you're going to kind of be taken aback. And it's like, this is not me. All these things that you're saying that these people are, I've never even, I haven't yet experienced that. Mm-hmm. So, you're in your own siloed. And it's like, we're going to stick with people. Because the black, <laughs> I mean, the black community, they have their own subdivisions. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. You can be black, but we're like... We have the Haitians, Caribbean, and all this stuff. Yeah, we have we have our thing, right? Yeah, we have our local. thing. And Black Americans, to be honest with you, I don't know a lot of Black Americans. I'll be I'll be frank. I don't know a lot of Black Americans. Yeah. Um, I don't know where to meet them, you know, because <laughs> I'm very much immersed in my Haitian culture. You know, mm-hmm. I have a Haitian culture, American culture fusion. Yeah. So I'm hanging out with a lot of people that understand what it means to be in an immigrant family and have two cultures that you're living under. Yeah. So when we say that it's internalized racism, it, it's not in, internalized racism. I think it's a lack of understanding because I can only imagine myself going into a country where someone is saying that you're some, like that you're something that you've never you don't even know what that means or yeah. what it is. Yeah. You're going to distance yourself from that because you realize that's associated with trouble. That's associated with problems. Look at all the things that come with being a part of this group. Right. But isn't yeah. that still but- internalized racism, though, because you're still my father's side of the family all like I'm first gen on that side of the family. My mom is American. Mm-hmm. And go, when they started dating, my dad, my dad did absolutely did not. His family did not want him dating an American black woman because American blacks were seen as classless. Mm-hmm. They don't have culture. Mm-hmm. They're ghetto. You know, they're dirty. All of these really bad stereotypes that, again, have been perpetuated by white people. Mm-hmm. I do agree that internalized racism is like a very strong word. Yeah, it might not be the word for it that. It may not be for that specifically, but I think there maybe there's another term for taking what you see portrayed about another subset of black people yeah. mm-hmm. that is also predominantly perpetuate, perpetuated by white supremacy. And it's the same thing with black Americans having this disdain for the African continent. It's the same exact thing. Wow. You know, calling niggas like African booty scratcher, There's that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a it's a deep-seated hatred of what it means to be black and also what it means to be from the continent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know what that term would be called. I, and and, and so without going into you know what we talked about before we always feel like we need to categorize things so i do apologize for categorizing that thing i would i would say though the reason why i still call that internalized racism is because it's such a such a weakening thing divisive divisive thing to talk about even though you're not necessarily a black american you are still in that circle of being black so what are you saying like are you saying oh we're not we're not that kind of bad american like we're this like now you're putting down your brother you know what I mean? And, just, and, I, and the reason why I say this is because even if you say black American versus Haitian and they're two different things, I'm not going to consider them two different things completely. I'm going to say that, like you said earlier, Puerto Rican is black. There's there's so many different types of blackness. Mm-hmm. So when you say, oh, those aren't us, those are black Americans that do all those negative things. It's it's unfortunate because it does happen in every community. And I've Divide seen it in my and family and I've real. seen it. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's a message that's given to you. So for the definition of internalized racism, I'm going to call it internalized racism. However, if we want to go into it more, then you can absolutely pick off that word from it and find like a completely different. Or maybe just internalized prejudice. Internalized Mm -hmm. subject. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Like everybody, every subset of black people has this internalized prejudice towards other subsets of. of And not just black people. I think all races. So like South Asians, East Asians. Oh, yeah. 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 They have their own. I'm beginning to see that, like, one of the things that I've been observing throughout my life is that it's so, like, 
when I look at whiteness, what I think about is they have the luxury of being individuals yeah. where we have to like, you know, you're, I'm Haitian, you're Jamaican, you're, you're, you know, you're Puerto Rican, you're Dominican, you're this. We have to all come together, make it work. We're all black, everything. But like when I see white people, whether they be Greek, Italian or whatever, they can, Jewish people can hang out with Jewish people yeah. and it not be said that, oh, you guys need to come together. What about the Greeks? What about this? What about that? Yeah. But for us, it's like, we have to speak for all black people, mm. you know? It's and I'm like, so annoying. it is annoying because <laughs> it's like, I like my culture. Yeah. It's yeah, special to me, and but I'm not to. negating that yeah. like, just because like, I don't associate with a different culture because I've never really had the opportunity to, or I don't really know how the other culture does their thing. Yeah. Doesn't mean that like, I want right. to separate. I have to be the representative for all black people at work constantly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah, it's so irritating yeah. all day, every day. I sit at tables with predominantly white women and every time it's an issue having to do even just for like representing Haitian culture. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people don't understand that my experience as a Haitian American is very different than a Haitian who was born in Haiti and came here right. in their mid twenties as Sarai was explaining. I can only speak for myself right. as Teresa Sophia. And it's really, it's so much pressure um, having people look at you and white people do this all the time. And I never look at white people as Sarai was saying mm -hmm. and see them as a representative of an entire race of people but they do that to me all the time yeah. and it's so much pressure and it's unfair but it's just this this reality that we have to navigate right. the world with and I just want to bring it back to relationships real oh, quick oh yeah oh wow yeah you wow. know the I black experience we is there. just yeah. so oh, yeah, multi-dimensional yeah so we're talking a lot about whether we want to call it internalized racism, internalized prejudice. But I think this is kind of leading to, and we're talking about toxic relationships as well. So when you are in a toxic relationship and you were dating a racist or in my experience, dating a black man who doesn't see my value or whatever it right. is, how do you know you're in one and what have you done to escape it once you are realizing that you actually are in one. I think for me, it was the fact that I was being separated from my identity as I was trying to find my identity. All of these things he was doing to like low-key keep me from learning about my history and, and my people and taking pride in our history and my people. I think the first thing that hit me was the Mike Brown comment. And mm. then I was like, if this is how he really sees this, then how does he view me? And this is someone that I was considering having children with. What does that mean for our children, having a father who has this toxicity towards black people? I had to kick him out, essentially, in order for me to like reclaim my space, both physically and mentally. And then after that, I was able to detach myself from that relationship very easily at that point. But it took two other black women in my life, mm. my cousin and um, my roommate, to really come to me and be like, yo, like this is not healthy at all. Yeah. Like you're sitting here literally doubting who you are as a person, your identity. You're feeling bad about wanting to celebrate your blackness. You. Yeah. That's a problem. I, I cannot find I'm not this is gonna be my answer for your question because I can't find a better answer than that. It's literally if you feel like you're being ripped apart from your identity, that's when you know. Mm. <laughs> yeah, like that's <laughs> when you know because that's abuse. Let's all sit in front of a TV right now. News story comes on. Black man shot by police. We immediately start to feel a certain way. If the person next to you 
is not helping you identify with it or at least pulling you away from it by saying stuff like, oh, well, you're not like those type of people or that would never happen with us or things like that. And you actually still feel some type of way about it. Mm-hmm. That is abuse at its finest. Right. That is mm-hmm. that is emotional abuse because you are feeling some type of way. And, and this person is not allowing you to feel that type of way and, and navigate that thing until it's like too late. I can't I can't have a better answer than that. That's real. I- identity is how you start yeah, to- that's huge. And on the note of abuser, so I was looking for the tweet and I couldn't find it. But I, I read a tweet the other day and Ariel and I yeah. actually went back and forth about it. So we often hear that like you attract the energy that you give off, yeah. right? And I think we've all had different relationships with <laughs> a lot of toxic people. And I know in my experience, when I have been in these relationships over and over and over again, I'm just like, okay, so what is wrong with me? What is the energy that I'm giving off to attract these types of people? Mm. And I I wish I could find the tweet so I could read it verbatim. Mm. But essentially, the woman was just saying that it's not you and that narcissists and sociopaths, this is what they do. And they're just trained in being able to manipulate situations. So I just wanted to say that as a message to people who are attracting quote unquote, or in relationships with toxic people or people that are detrimental to their identity, people that they don't feel like are supporting them, that it's not always you. And it's good to remember that, but there are a lot of messed up people that are projecting themselves onto you. And it's not something that, we should internalize. And I think this goes back to how a lot of our experiences predict how we navigate the world and yeah. interact with other people. So just remembering that sometimes it's other people. And that's not to say that we're not accountable for ourselves when we're dating mm-hmm. and interacting with people. But a lot of times it's other people, too. I think that's why labels really do like get under my skin i know sometimes we need them to like understand certain things but when i think about the relationship that you were in and i think about that guy all i could think about is wow this guy must have been through some stuff or he's must have been a part of a family that demonized what it meant to be black because of someone's experience in there i remember when i was dating a white man you know is that the scary word to <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> no but i remember when i was dating a white guy and we were really really close and i felt like you know he was amazing at one point just just an amazing person and mind you he was very progressive and understood where i was coming from but one of the things that i started to realize i remember when he told me like because we'd get back and forth and i talk about my experience being a black woman and all this stuff well it wasn't even really experience it's just like i had body image issues and stuff Mm. so it was different it wasn't even being a black woman it was just being an overdeveloped person and feeling like people were just objectifying me all the time and Mm -hmm. i felt uncomfortable and he wasn't like that he didn't care about that stuff he just you know wanted to talk to me and be around me just because I was just an amazing person (laughs) gassing me, you know? But I remember one time when we got into like a very heated conversation and he told me like, you know, you're privileged. And to be honest, that was like a shocker for me. This was in college. I was like, damn, you know, he was like, no, like you're really privileged. Like he tried to take it out of the context of what society sees as privilege. Because every time we hear it's privilege, we think about, we kind of associate it with 
white privilege. Like yeah. you have a privilege of this. We all hold a yeah. certain level yeah. of privilege. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I'm educated. Not this. everyone yeah. can say that. I not agree. everyone has money to go to school. We are privileged from the position we are at right at this moment exactly. to be able to talk about these things. I, I agree so. 100%. And I remember this. He was telling me, he's just like, you have two parents, you know, mm. you were able to go to school. You mm-hmm. were able to do all these things or whatever. Yeah. Like in society's narrative of white privilege, it may seem as though like I have more opportunities than you or I have more access than you. But Soraya, since I've known you, you don't go to bed hungry. You don't have a parent that's an addict. There's certain things that like you're protected against because you have two parents that are healthy that have certain things that other people don't have. And it started to make me realize that I, like this is what it really made me push away like what the media is trying to make me feel. You know, because mm. a lot of times, like, I don't think people realize that you have to really be careful what you allow to permeate in your system, in your mind, mm-hmm. because the media has a funny way of creating these narratives about how we look. Like whenever I hear black women, we're the least desirable women that people. It's like, get I get hollered at every single day and of my it's, life. It's, it's, <laughs> no, 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 but Who's it's, telling you this? No, but seriously, like it's weird because I hear that a lot from people. I also hear about people like the European standard of beauty. Mm-hmm. I went to Europe and I saw something completely different of mm-hmm. what the European standard of beauty is and what people wanted. It's the media, yeah. cre- like the media, they have the power to reach a lot of people and thinking that Yo, I'm going to only show them this. I'm going to only show them these type of people in these shows. I'm going to yeah. only show them this. Someone's controlling the way that we view what's really going on. And that's why I think people need to take a step back. Sometimes you need to like really tune yourself out and allow yourself to make the decision yourself. That's a huge thing I wanted to, like, I was hoping to touch up on when it came to interracial relationships and especially when it comes to how we feel about black men not dating black women and only dating white women. One of those many, many layers of, you know, where black men get that attractiveness to others is through media, through mm-hmm. what media's mm-hmm. portrayal of what beauty is and, and through that you know, you are around black women on a you know regular basis. One of the questions that I've I've heard asked is, with your mother around a beautiful black woman raising you, and this wasn't asked to me. This was just a general thing that I've seen. Is how do you possibly see yourself dating a white person? And you know, then you realize like the constant message you're being given throughout your life by media is fair skin is beauty look at who the model is you flip through the magazine look at who the cheerleaders are who look at you know the people you play sports with that i think it doesn't absolve black men from having the responsibility to step away from media or separate from the message however as we know media is media for a thing media is Mm -hmm. a multi-trillion dollar uh, field (laughs) for a reason because they do what they do and they do it very well so just to tie it back into like interracial relationships and going that way of things like that's something we, as black men, and have to navigate. Right. And, and if you navigate. can learn something, you can unlearn it. Because yeah. I've definitely internalized that. And it's still something that I struggle with. The constant looking at myself in the mirror and looking at media and seeing that it doesn't connect. But I've literally come to a point where I've had to train my brain and look at people, look at women, look at myself and be like, you are beautiful. Mm-hmm. Look at a dark-skinned right. person and not see the dark skin first, but 
see the beauty first mm. or you see their beauty because of their darkness. Exactly. It's, it's a part of their darkness. Exactly. It's not, it's not separated. I think once you train yourself to start thinking of things outside of these messages that you constantly get, you can reframe your reality. Oh, yeah. But That's it's definitely. about self-awareness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, they don't have self-awareness. If you're not aware, like we're having a conscious conversation because we're self-aware you know you came out of a situation as much as we could be at this point in time you came out of a situation realizing that the person that you shared your life was was racist but when you were in that situation you didn't see it Mm -hmm. you know what i mean i did but you ignored it but for us it's how do you tell a person that's never seen it to be that way you're watching music videos you're looking at the girls in the videos you you realize at a young age and i know being in middle school like a lot of things i tell people i'm like you know what you'll be surprised by what we choose to like internalize and it's based by what we experienced in middle school like comments that people made and you know what people had to say about what's beautiful the light-skinned girl with the curly hair i mean you know Mm -hmm. know there was a particular what was pretty in the multiracial world and what was pretty for like what it meant to be white and all this stuff a lot of us are going through that we still haven't faced those issues that we had when we were in middle school where you know you were made fun of for being black you were made fun of for being haitian you were made fun if you know you smelled or you did this you mm-hmm. did that like there was all these things that were being thrown at you all the time and how did you cope with that people are still dealing with this heartache and i feel like sometimes i think that a lot of black men the anti-blackness comes from what they experienced when they were younger and yeah. they want to prove that you know what i can get the lighter skin girl yeah. mm-hmm. because yeah. i'm worthy of that right. yeah they look at it as a worth standard yeah. i can get a light skin girl Which i can't get itself this. problematic though because you're still using yeah. women as like a tool to make yourself so feel, feel better but about I feel like, identity. Mm-hmm. and women do it too yeah no women we most do definitely do yeah. i remember going through things and like who would you date marry or kill all the girls wanted to date a light-skinned man or a white man so that their babies would come out looking a certain way one of the things we definitely have to talk about you know moving forward is the is one of my favorite words in the world is called nuance and there's a lot of nuance to everything that's ever been said there's a lot of nuance to basically we can say a statement about one thing and come up with something that completely goes against it so no matter what we say for anyone that's listening or for our purposes as well like no matter what we say there will always be an example of the opposite you know and there will always be something that's not applicable to everyone you were getting dms in your you know inbox about oh not all black guys that's hurtful that's hurtful there are over 7 billion people in the world if you say the word yes you're gonna have half of those billion saying no and the reason why i say that is because yes for a lot of black men that's a step up and at the same time it's still problematic so we can definitely work on both sides of that by saying like it's a problem for black men to think that fair skin is right however there aren't all black men who do that correct however black women definitely have a point when they say, yo, what's good? I think it's because it's a part of an overarching conversation, right? It's not just about who you're dating. It's about what does your preference represent in the world that we're living in? Because Mm -hmm. we don't live in a vacuum. You are, like you said, people are influenced by certain things. You're influenced by your family. You're influenced by the media. Mm -hmm. You're influenced by your personal interactions. So when I hear people say, oh, well, I just have a preference for white people or even lighter skin i'm like "Mm, that's not a preference though Mm -mm. that's Mm -mm. not a preference that's more you comes from what you've been your entire life right exactly that's not a preference i mean i don't think it's i think i don't think it's possible to have a preference for any 
one race because we all come in so many different sizes and shapes and colors. So mm-hmm. like, what I will say to that is not that it's not a preference. It's just not a correct preference. You know what I mean? Because there are people out there who will take that to the grave, that that's their preference. We can call it misguided if we want. I'm not you know saying I mean? that you can't yeah. have a preference, but, but I'm saying where is, where is your preference coming from? Where is it stemming from? If I say I have a preference, like I was saying, I have a preference for white men and saying that I don't have a preference for black men. What am I saying? Mm-hmm. I'm putting all black men on the same playing field and attributing all of the negative things that I've learned about them to every single black man in the world to say that I don't have a preference for black men. Now that we know that what our experiences does for where we're headed in our relationships or families, whatever, now it's time to like really realize that at the end of the day, we are all people. We're complex. Mm-hmm. We're very complex individuals. Everyone has their own reasons for why they think a certain way. This is personally just me. Like maybe it's because I've come to a point where I don't like arguing anymore or proving points because the truth is subjective, in my right. opinion. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. there are certain truths that are subjective because I can't devalue your experience. That was your experience. Mm-hmm. And you have a right to feel the way that you feel because it's your experience. Exactly. At the same time, like open discussions makes you realize yeah. that other people has had other experiences and maybe you can open up yourself a little bit more. You can learn from other people. And this is why I think having conversations, understanding that people are different. Like I've had made friends with certain white people that if you heard some of the things that they said, you would think that they're racist, right? Mm-hmm. But through talking to them, through having like genuine conversations with them and also like being open with them about certain things the way that I feel I was able to realize that you have a lack of exposure you don't even know black people your black experience is through a screen Mm-hmm. And that's not Which all black not people. An and it's not a fair for people. Experience. Yeah, it's right. not a real experience and it's not diverse because we already know that the media portrays us in so many different characters. And who controls the media? You know what I'm saying? So it's a lens. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's like it, when you realize that, you can see that some white people are misguided too. Like, I feel like we have a lack of patience in our society. Yeah. You know, yeah. no one wants to take the time to understand why is there a trigger when we say black lives matter and these people say all lives matter. Huh. And that will used to be something that I'm like, I want to explore this. Like why, you know? Mm-hmm. And I've heard a lot of people's different perspectives of that. Mm. And some of it is that it's not like they're suffering too, you know, but they don't understand that we are suffering and this is about us. No. But I feel like we don't acknowledge each other's struggles a lot. Like black people can't only think that we're the only ones suffering. Yes, our, we, we've suffered. Yes, we are currently suffering. Mm-hmm. There are white people that are suffering. There are Latinos that are suffering. There are Asian people that are suffering. We have to just realize that people are sensitive because they think that you're not acknowledging that it's not it's not peachy over here for everyone so i want to thank you guys for (laughs) a really great conversation (laughs) this was amazing and it's just making me think about so many different topics that we can definitely discuss throughout this mindful podcast series being black being a person of color is so complex Uh, As I said before, we're walking around with so many different identities. We have four black people in the room all around the same age, but our experiences have just been so different. So I just want to thank you guys for coming here, coming to this table and just bringing your whole selves to this conversation and this dialogue. So with each episode, I want to end with a mindful practice. We're all going through our daily lives and just mindfulness for people 
who don't know, and I guess I should define it because that's the name of this podcast, it's just about being in the present moment. So oftentimes we are thinking about the past and there's a quote that says, if you are depressed, you're thinking about the past. If you are anxious, you are living in the future. And being mindful is just about being present. So this was a question that was brought to me as a mindful practice, and I really enjoyed it. I want you to, wherever you are listening to this podcast, no matter what time of day, just think about who you want to be today. So that's my question for you. That's the mindful question. Who do you want to be? You can write that down. I actually would encourage you to write it down because there is power in writing. Just think about it. Who do you want to be today? So I am your girl, Teresa Sophia. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you to my guests, Alex, Ariel, and Soraya. This was a great conversation. And I will see you guys, hear you guys next time. Thank you. Thank you. Let's talk about it. Talk about it. Don't let it sit on your mind. When you talk about it, talk about it. You know